Chapter six of Book three of Toilers of the Sea, Part two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Adams. Toilers of the Sea, Part two. Malicious Gilliatt by Victor Hugo. Translated by W. Moy Thomas. Book three. The Struggle. Chapter six The Combat Gilliatt ascended to the summit of the great Douvre. From hence he could see around the horizon. The western side was appalling, a wall of clouds spread across it, barring the wide expanse from side to side, and ascending slowly from the horizon towards the zenith. This wall, straight-lined, vertical, without a crevice in its height, without a rent in its structure, seemed built by the square and measured by the plumb-line. It was cloud in the likeness of granite. Its escarpment, completely perpendicular at the southern extremity, curved a little towards the north, like a bent sheet of iron, presenting the steep, slippery face of an inclined plane. The dark wall enlarged and grew, but its entablature never ceased for a moment to be parallel with the horizon line, which was almost indistinguishable in the gathering darkness. Silently, and altogether, the airy battlements ascended. No undulation, no wrinkle, no projection changed its shape or moved its place. The aspect of this immobility in movement was impressive the sun pale in the midst of a strange sickly transparence lighted up this outline of the apocalypse already the cloudy bank had blotted out one-half the space of the sky shelving like the fearful talus of the abyss it was the uprising of a dark mountain between earth and heaven it was night falling suddenly upon midday there was a heat in the air as from an oven door coming from that mysterious mass on mass the sky which from blue had become white was now turning from white to a slaty grey the sea beneath was leaden hued and dull there was no breath no wave no noise far as i could reach the desert ocean no sail was visible on any side the birds had disappeared some monstrous treason seemed abroad the wall of cloud grew visibly larger this moving mountain of vapours which was approaching the douvre was one of those clouds which might be called the clouds of battle sinister appearances some strange furtive glance seemed cast upon the beholder through that obscure mass up-piled the approach was terrible. Gilliatt observed it closely, and muttered to himself, I am thirsty enough, but you'll give me plenty to drink. He stood there motionless a few moments, his eye fixed upon the cloud-bank, as if mentally taking a sounding of the tempest. His galerienne was in the pocket of his jacket. He took it out and placed it on his head. Then he fetched from the cave, which had so long served him for a sleeping-place, a few things which he had kept there in reserve. He put on his overalls, and attired himself in his waterproof overcoat, like a knight who puts on his armour at the moment of battle. 
He had no shoes, but his naked feet had become hardened to the rocks. This preparation for the storm being completed, he looked down upon his breakwater, grasped the knotted cord hurriedly, descended from the plateau of the Douvre, stepped on to the rocks below, and hastened to his store cavern. A few moments later he was at work. The vast silent cloud might have heard the strokes of his hammer. With the nails, ropes, and beams which still remained, he constructed for the eastern gullet a second frame, which he succeeded in fixing at ten or twelve feet from the other. The silence was still profound. The blades of grass between the cracks of the rocks were not stirred. The sun disappeared suddenly. Gilliatt looked up. The rising cloud had just reached it. It was like the blotting out of day succeeded by a mingled pale reflection. The immense wall of cloud had changed its appearance. It no longer retained its unity. It had curved on reaching the zenith, whence it spread horizontally over the rest of the heavens. It had now its various stages. The tempest formation was visible, like the strata in the side of a trench. It was possible to distinguish the layers of the rain from the beds of hail. There was no lightning, but a horrible diffused glare, for the idea of horror may be attached to light. The vague breathing of the storm was audible. The silence was broken by an obscure palpitation. Gilliatt, silent also, watched the giant blocks of vapour grouping themselves overhead, forming the shapeless mass of clouds. Upon the horizon brooded and lengthened out a band of mist of ashen hue, in the zenith another band of lead colour. Pale, ragged fragments of cloud hung from the great mass above upon the mist below. The pile of cloud which formed the background was wan, dull, gloomy, a thin whitish transverse cloud, coming no one could tell whither, cut the high dark wall obliquely from north to south. One of the extremities of this cloud trailed along the surface of the sea. At the point where it touched the waters, a dense red vapour was visible in the midst of the darkness. Below it, smaller clouds, quite black and very low, were flying as if bewildered or moved by opposite currents of air. The immense cloud beyond increased from all points at once, darkened the eclipse, and continued to spread its sombre pall. In the east, behind Gilliatt, there was only one clear porch in the heavens, which was rapidly being closed. Without any feeling of wind abroad, a strange flight of grey downy particles seemed to pass. They were fine and scattered, as if some gigantic bird had been plucked of its plumage behind the bank of cloud. A dark, compact roof had gradually formed itself, which, on the verge of the horizon, touched the sea and mingled in darkness with it. The beholder had a vague sense of something advancing steadily towards him. It was vast, heavy, ominous. Suddenly an immense peal of thunder burst upon the air. Gilliatt himself felt the shock. The rude reality in the midst of that visionary region had something in it terrific. The listener might fancy that he hears something falling in the chamber of giants. 
no electric flash accompanied the report it was a blind peal the silence was profound again there was an interval as when combatants take up their position then appeared slowly one after the other great shapeless flashes these flashes were silent the wall of cloud was now a vast cavern with roofs and arches outlines of forms were traceable among them monstrous heads were vaguely shadowed forth rocks seemed to stretch out elephants bearing turrets seen for a moment vanished a column of vapour straight round and dark and surmounted by a white mist simulated the form of a colossal steam vessel engulfed hissing and smoking beneath the waves sheets of cloud undulated like folds of giant flags in the centre under a thick purple pall a nucleus of dense fog sunk motionless inert impenetrable by the electric fires a sort of hideous fetus in the bosom of the tempest suddenly juliet felt a breath moving his hair two or three large spots of rain fell heavily around him on the rock then there was a second thunderclap the wind was rising the terror of darkness was at its highest point the first peal of thunder had shaken the sea the second rent the wall of cloud from top to base breach was visible the pent-up deluge rushed towards it the rent became like a gulf filled with rain the outpouring of the tempest had begun the moment was terrible rain wind lightnings thunder waves swirling upwards to the clouds foam hoarse noises whistlings mingled together like monsters suddenly unloosened for a solitary man imprisoned with an overloaded vessel between two dangerous rocks in mid-ocean no crisis could have been more menacing the danger of the tide over which he had triumphed was nothing compared with the danger of the tempest surrounded on all sides by dangers gilliatt at the last moment and before the crowning peril had developed an ingenious strategy he had secured his bases of operations in the enemy's territory had pressed the rock into his service the douvre originally his enemy had become his second in that immense duel out of that sepulchre he had constructed a fortress he was built up among those formidable sea ruins he was blockaded but well defended he had so to speak set his back against the wall and stood face to face with the hurricane he had barricaded the narrow strait that highway of the waves this indeed was the only possible course it seemed as if the ocean like other despots might be brought to reason by the aid of barricades the sloop might be considered secure on three sides closely wedged between the two interior walls of the rock made fast by three anchorings she was sheltered from the north by the little douvre on the south by the great one terrible escarpments more accustomed to wreck vessels than to save them 
on the western side she was protected by the frame of timbers made fast and nailed to the rocks a tried barrier which had withstood the rude flood-tide of the sea a veritable citadel gate having for its sides the columns of the rock the two douvres themselves nothing was to be feared from that side it was on the eastern side only that there was danger on that side there was no protection but the breakwater a breakwater is an apparatus for dividing and distributing it requires at least two frames gilliatt had only had time to construct one he was compelled to build the second in the very presence of the tempest fortunately the wind came from the northwest the wind is not always adroit in its attacks the northwest wind which is the ancient galerno had little effect upon the douvre it assailed the rocks in flank and drove the waves neither against the one nor the other of the two gullets so that instead of rushing into a defile they dashed themselves against a wall but the currents of the wind are curved and it was probable that there would be some sudden change if it should veer to the east before the second frame could be constructed the peril would be great the eruption of the sea into the gorge would be complete and all would probably be lost the wildness of the storm went on increasing the essence of a tempest is the rapid succession of its blows that is its strength but it is also its weakness its fury gives the opportunity to human intelligence and man spies its weak points for his defence but under what overwhelming assaults no respite no interruption no truce no pause for taking breath there seems an unspeakable cowardice in that prodigality of inexhaustible resources all the tumult of the wide expanse rushed towards the douvre voices were heard in the darkness what could they be the ancient terror of the sea was there at times they seemed to speak as if someone was uttering words of command there were clamours strange trepidations and then that majestic roar which the mariners call the ocean cry the indefinite and flying eddies of the wind whistled while curling the waves and flinging them like giant quoits cast by invisible athletes against the breakers the enormous surf streamed over all the rocks torrents above foam below then the roaring was redoubled no uproar of man or beasts could yield an idea of that din which mingled with the incessant breaking of the sea the clouds cannonaded the hailstones poured their volleys the surf mounted to the assault as far as i could reach the sea was white ten leagues of yeasty water filled the horizon doors of fire were opened clouds seemed burnt by clouds and showed like smoke above a nebulous red mass resembling burning embers floating conflagrations rushed together and amalgamated each changing the shape of the other from the midst of the dark roof a terrible arsenal appeared to be emptied out hurling downward from the gulf pell-mell water-spouts hail-torrents purple fire phosphoric gleams darkness and lightnings 
Meanwhile, Gilliatt seemed to pay no attention to the storm. His head was bent over his work. The second framework began to approach completion. To every clap of thunder, he replied with a blow of his hammer, making a cadence which was audible even amidst that tumult. He was bareheaded, for a gust had carried away his galerienne he suffered from a burning thirst little pools of rain had formed in the rocks around him from time to time he took some water in the hollow of his hand and drank then without even looking upward to observe the storm he applied himself anew to his task all might depend upon a moment he knew the fate that awaited him if his breakwater should not be completed in time of what avail could it be to lose a moment in looking for the approach of death the turmoil around him was like that of a vast bubbling cauldron crash and uproar were everywhere sometimes the lightning seemed to descend a sort of ladder the electric flame returned incessantly to the same points of the rock where there were probably metallic veins hailstones fell of enormous size gilliatt was compelled to shake the folds of his overcoat even the pockets of which became filled with hail the storm had now rotated to the west and was expending its fury upon the barricades of the two douvres but gilliatt had faith in his breakwaters and with good reason these barricades made of a great portion of the forepart of the durande took the shock of the waves easily elasticity is a resistance the experiments of stevenson establish the fact that against the waves which are themselves elastic a raft of timber joined and chained together in a certain fashion will form a more powerful obstacle than a breakwater of masonry the barriers of the douvres fulfilled these conditions they were moreover so ingeniously made fast that the waves striking them beneath were like hammers beating in nails pressing and consolidating the work upon the rocks to demolish them it would have been necessary to overthrow the douvres themselves the surf in fact was only able to cast over upon the sloop some flakes of foam on that side thanks to the barrier the tempest ended only in harmless insult gilliatt turned his back upon the scene he heard composedly its useless rage upon the rocks behind him the foam flakes coming from all sides were like flights of down the vast irritated ocean deluged the rocks dashed over them and raged within penetrated into the network of their interior fissures and issued again from the granitic masses by the narrow chinks forming a kind of inexhaustible fountains playing peacefully in the midst of that deluge here and there a silvery network fell gracefully from these spouts in the sea the second frame of the eastern barrier was nearly completed a few more knots of rope and ends of chains and this new rampart would be ready to play its part in barring out the storm suddenly there was a great brightness the rain ceased the clouds rolled asunder the wind had just shifted a sort of high dark window opened in the zenith and the lightnings were extinguished the end seemed to have come it was but the commencement the change of wind was from the northwest to the northeast. 
the storm was preparing to burst forth again with a new legion of hurricanes the north was about to mount to the assault sailors call this dreaded moment of transition the return storm the southern wind brings most rain the north wind most lightning the attack coming now from the east was directed against the weak point of the position this time gilliatt interrupted his work and looked around him he stood erect upon a curved projection of the rock behind the second barrier which was nearly finished if the first frame had been carried away it would have broken down the second which was not yet consolidated and must have crushed him gilliatt in the place that he had chosen must in that case have been destroyed before seeing the sloop the machinery and all his work shattered and swallowed up in the gulf such was the possibility which awaited him he accepted it and contemplated it sternly in that wreck of all his hope to die at once would have been his desire to die first as he would have regarded it for the machinery produced in his mind the effect of a living being he moved aside his hair which was beaten over his eyes by the wind grasped his trusty mallet drew himself up in a menacing attitude and awaited the event he was not kept long in suspense a flash of lightning gave the signal the livid opening in the zenith closed a driving torrent of rain fell then all became dark save where the lightnings broke forth once more the attack had recommenced in earnest a heavy swell visible from time to time in the blaze of the lightning was rolling in the east beyond the man-rock it resembled a huge wall of glass it was green and without foam and it stretched across the wide expanse it was advancing towards the breakwater increasing as it approached it was a singular kind of gigantic cylinder rolling upon the ocean the thunder kept up a hollow rumbling the great wave struck the man-rock broke in twain and passed beyond the broken wave rejoined formed a mountain of water and instead of advancing in parallel line as before came down perpendicularly upon the breakwater the shock was terrific the whole wave became a roaring surf it is impossible for those who have not witnessed them to imagine these snowy avalanches which the sea thus precipitates and under which it engulfs for the moment rocks of more than a hundred feet in height such for example as the great andalo at guernsey and the pinnacle at jersey at st marie of madagascar it passes completely over the promontory of tinting for some moments the sea drowned everything nothing was visible except the furious waters an enormous breadth of foam the whiteness of a winding-sheet blowing in the draught of a sepulchre nothing was heard but the roaring storm working devastation around when the foam subsided gilliatt was still standing at his post the barrier had stood firm not a chain was broken not a nail displaced it had exhibited under the trial the two chief qualities of a breakwater it had proved flexible as a hurdle and firm as a wall the surf falling upon it had dissolved into a shower of drops a river of foam rushing along the zigzags of the defile subsided as it approached the sloop 
the man who had put this curb upon the fury of the ocean took no rest the storm fortunately turned aside its fury for a moment the fierce attack of the waves was renewed upon the wall of the rock there was a respite and gilliatt took advantage of it to complete the interior barrier the daylight faded upon his labours the hurricane continued its violence upon the flank of the rocks with a mournful solemnity the stores of fire and water in the sky poured out incessantly without exhausting themselves the undulations of the wind above and below were like the movements of a dragon nightfall brought scarcely any deeper night the change was hardly felt for the darkness was never complete tempests alternately darkening and illuming by their lightnings are merely intervals of the visible and invisible all is pale glare and then all is darkness spectral shapes issue forth suddenly and return as suddenly into the deep shade a phosphoric zone tinged with the hue of the aurora borealis appeared like ghastly flames behind the dense clouds giving to all things a wan aspect and making the rain-drifts luminous this uncertain light aided gilliatt and directed him in his operations by its help he was enabled to raise the forward barrier the breakwater was now almost complete as he was engaged in making fast a powerful cable to the last beam the gale blew directly in his face this compelled him to raise his head the wind had shifted abruptly to the northeast the assault upon the eastern gullet recommenced gilliatt cast his eyes around the horizon another great wall of water was approaching the wave broke with a great shock a second followed then another and another still then five or six almost together then a last shock of tremendous force this last wave which was an accumulation of forces had a singular resemblance to a living thing it would not have been difficult to imagine in the midst of that swelling mass the shapes of fins and gill coverings it fell heavily and broke upon the barrier its almost animal form was torn to pieces in the shape of spouts and gushes resembling the crushing to death of some sea hydra upon that block of rocks and timbers the swell rushed through subsiding but devastating as it went the huge wave seemed to bite and cling to its victim as it died the rock shook to its base a savage howling mingled with the roar the foam flew far like the spouting of a leviathan the subsidence exhibited the extent of the ravages of the surf this last escalade had not been ineffectual the breakwater had suffered this time a long and heavy beam torn from the first barrier had been carried over the second and hurled violently upon the projecting rock on what gilliatt had stood but a moment before by good fortune he had not returned there had he done so his death had been inevitable there was a remarkable circumstance in the fall of this beam which by preventing the framework rebounding saved gilliatt from greater dangers it even proved useful to him as will be seen in another way 
between the projecting rock and the interior wall of the defile there was a large interval something like the notch of an axe or the split of a wedge one of the extremities of the timber hurled into the air by the waves had stuck fast into this notch in falling the gap had become enlarged gilliatt was struck with an idea it was that of bearing heavily on the other extremity the beam caught by one end in the nook which it had widened projected from it straight as an outstretched arm this species of arm projected parallel with the anterior wall of the defile and the disengaged end stretched from its resting-place about eighteen or twenty inches a good distance for the object to be attained gilliatt raised himself by means of his hands feet and knees to the escarpment and then turned his back pressing both his shoulders against the enormous lever the beam was long which increased its raising power the rock was already loosened but he was compelled to renew his efforts again and again the sweat-drops rolled from his forehead as rapidly as the spray the fourth attempt exhausted all his powers there was a cracking noise the gap spreading in the shape of a fissure opened its vast jaws and the heavy mass fell into the narrow space of the defile with a noise like the echo of the thunder the mass fell straight and without breaking resting in its bed like a druid cromlech precipitated in one piece the beam which had served as a lever descended with the rock and gilliatt stumbling forward as it gave way narrowly escaped falling the bed of the pass at this part was full of huge round stones and there was little water the monolith lying in the boiling foam the flakes of which fell on gilliatt where he stood stretched from side to side of the great parallel rocks of the defile and formed a transversal wall a sort of cross-stroke between the two escarpments its two ends touched the rocks it had been a little too long to lie flat but its summit of soft rock was struck off with the fall the result of this fall was a singular sort of cul-de-sac which may still be seen the water behind this stony barrier is almost always tranquil this was a rampart more invincible still than the forward timbers of the durande fixed between the two douvres the barrier came opportunely the assaults of the sea had continued the obstinacy of the waves is always increased by an obstacle the first frame began to show signs of breaking up one breach however small in a breakwater is always serious it inevitably enlarges and there is no means of supplying its place for the sea would sweep away the workmen a flash which lighted up the rocks revealed to gilliatt the nature of the mischief the beams broken down the ends of rope and fragments of chain swinging in the winds and a rent in the centre of the apparatus the second frame was intact though the block of stone so powerfully overturned by gilliatt in the defile behind the breakwater was the strongest possible barrier it had a defect it was too low the surge could not destroy but could sweep over it it was useless to think of building it higher nothing but masses of rock could avail upon a barrier of stone but how could such masses be detached or if detached how could they be moved or raised or piled or fixed timbers may be added but rocks cannot 
Gilliatt was not Enceladus. The very little height of this rocky isthmus rendered him anxious. The effects of this fault were not long in showing themselves. The assaults upon the breakwater were incessant. The heavy seas seemed not merely to rage, but to attack with determination to destroy it. A sort of trampling noise was heard upon the jolted framework suddenly the end of a binding strake detached from the dislocated frame was swept away over the second barrier and across the transversal rock falling in the defile where the water seized and carried it into the sinuosities of the pass gilliatt lost sight of it it seemed probable that it would do some injury to the sloop fortunately the water in the interior of the rocks shut in on all sides felt little of the commotion without the waves there were comparatively trifling and the shock was not likely to be severe for the rest he had little time to spare for reflection upon this mishap every variety of danger was arising at once the tempest was concentrated upon the vulnerable point destruction was imminent the darkness was profound for a moment the lightnings paused a sort of sinister connivance the cloud and the sea became one there was a dull peal this was followed by a terrible outburst the frame which formed the front of the barriers was swept away the fragments of beams were visible in the rolling waters the sea was using the first breakwater as an engine for making a breach in the second gilliatt experienced the feeling of a general who sees his advanced guard driven in the second construction of beams resisted the shock the apparatus behind it was powerfully secured and buttressed but the broken frame was heavy and was at the mercy of the waves which were incessantly hurling it forward and withdrawing it the ropes and chains which remained unsevered prevented its entirely breaking up and the qualities which gilliatt had given it as a means of defence made it in the end a more effective weapon of destruction instead of a buckler it had become a battering-ram besides this it was now full of irregularities from breaking ends of timbers projected from all parts and it was as it were covered with teeth and spikes no sort of arm could have been more effective or more fitted for the handling of the tempest it was the projectile while the sea played the part of the catapult the blows succeeded each other with a dismal regularity gilliatt thoughtful and anxious behind that barricaded portal listened to the sound of death knocking loudly for admittance he reflected with bitterness that but for the fatal entanglement of the funnel of the durande in the wreck he would have been at that very moment and even since the morning once more at guernsey in the port with the sloop out of danger and with the machinery saved the dreaded moment arrived the destruction was complete there was a sound like a death-rattle. The entire frame of the breakwater, the double apparatus, crushed and mingled confusedly, came in a whirl of foam, rushing upon the stone barricade like chaos upon a mountain, where it stopped. 
here the fragments lay together a mass of beams penetrable by the waves but still breaking their force the conquered barrier struggled nobly against destruction the waves had shattered it and in their turn were shattered against it though overthrown it still remained in some degree effective the rock which barred its passage an immovable obstacle held it fast the defile as we have said was very narrow at that point the victorious whirlwind had driven forward mingled and piled up the wreck of the breakwater in this narrow pass the very violence of the assault by heaping up the mass and driving the broken ends one into the other had contributed to make the pile firm it was destroyed but immovable a few pieces of timber only were swept away and dispersed by the waves one passed through the air very near to gilliatt he felt the counter-current upon his forehead some waves however of that kind which in great tempests return with an imperturbable regularity swept over the ruins of the breakwater they fell into the defile and in spite of the many angles of the passage set the waters within in commotion the waters began to roll through the gorge ominously the mysterious embraces of the waves among the rocks were audible what means were there of preventing this agitation extending as far as the sloop it would not require a long time for the blast of wind to create a tempest through all the windings of the pass a few heavy seas would be sufficient to stave in the sloop and scatter her burden gilliatt shuddered as he reflected but he was not disconcerted no defeat could daunt his soul the hurricane had now discovered the true plan of attack and was rushing fiercely between the two walls of the strait suddenly a crash was heard resounding and prolonging itself through the defile at some distance behind him a crash more terrible than any he had yet heard it came from the direction of the sloop something disastrous was happening there gilliatt hastened towards it from the eastern gullet where he was he could not see the sloop on account of the sharp turns of the pass at the last turn he stopped and waited for the lightning the first flash revealed to him the position of affairs the rush of the sea through the eastern entrance had been met by a blast of wind from the other end a disaster was near at hand the sloop had received no visible damage anchored as she was the storm had little power over her but the carcass of the durande was distressed in such a tempest the wreck presented a considerable surface it was entirely out of the sea in the air exposed the breach which gilliatt had made and which he had passed the engine through had rendered the hull still weaker the keelson was snapped the vertebral column of the skeleton was broken the hurricane had passed over it scarcely more than this was needed to complete its destruction the planking of the deck had bent like an opened book the dismemberment had begun it was the noise of this dislocation which had reached gilliatt's ears in the midst of the tempest the disaster which presented itself as he approached appeared almost irremediable the square opening which he had cut in the keel had become a gaping wound the wind had converted the smooth-cut hole into a ragged fracture 
This transverse breach separated the wreck in two. The after part, nearest to the sloop, had remained firm in its bed of rocks. The forward portion which faced him was hanging. A fracture, while it holds, is a sort of hinge. The whole mass oscillated as the wind moved it with a doleful noise. Fortunately, the sloop was no longer beneath it but this swinging movement shook the other portion of the hull still wedged and immovable as it was between the two douvres from shaking to casting down the distance is not far under the obstinate assaults of the gale the dislocated part might suddenly carry away the other portion which almost touched the sloop in this case the whole wreck together with the sloop and the engine must be swept into the sea and swallowed up all this presented itself to his eyes. It was the end of all. How could it be prevented? Gilliatt was one of those who were accustomed to snatch the means of safety out of danger itself. He collected his ideas for a moment. Then he hastened to his arsenal and brought his hatchet. The mallet had served him well. It was now the turn of the axe. He mounted upon the wreck, got a footing on that part of the planking which had not given way, and leaning over the precipice of the pass between the douvres, he began to cut away the broken joists and the planking which supported the hanging portion of the hull. His object was to effect the separation of the two parts of the wreck, to disencumber the half which remained firm, to throw overboard what the waves had seized, and thus share the prey with the storm. The hanging portion of the wreck, borne down by the wind and by its own weight, adhered only at one or two points. The entire wreck resembled a folding screen, one leaf of which, half hanging, beat against the other five or six pieces of the planking only bent and started but not broken still held their fractures creaked and enlarged at every gust and the axe so to speak had but to help the labour of the wind this more than half-severed condition while it increased the facility of the work also rendered it dangerous the whole might give way beneath him at any moment the tempest had reached its highest point the convulsion of the sea reached the heavens hitherto the storm had been supreme it had seemed to work its own imperious will to give the impulse to drive the waves to frenzy while still preserving a sort of sinister lucidity below was fury above anger the heavens are the breath the ocean only foam hence the authority of the wind but the intoxication of its own horrors had confused it it had become a mere whirlwind it was a blindness leading to night there are times when tempests become frenzied when the heavens are attacked with a sort of delirium when the firmament raves and hurls its lightnings blindly no terror is greater than this it is a hideous moment the trembling of the rock was at its height every storm has a mysterious course but now it loses its appointed path it is the most dangerous point of the tempest at that moment says thomas fuller the wind is a furious maniac 
It is at that instant that that continuous discharge of electricity takes place which Piddington calls the cascade of lightnings. It is that instant that in the blackest spot of the clouds, none know why, unless it be to spy the universal terror, a circle of blue light appears, which the Spanish sailors of ancient times called the Eye of the Tempest. El hoyo de la tempestad, that terrible eye looked down upon Gilliatt. Gilliatt, on his part, was surveying the heavens. He raised his head now. After every stroke of his hatchet, he stood erect and gazed upwards almost haughtily. He was, or seemed to be, too near destruction not to feel self-sustained. Would he despair? No. In the presence of the wildest fury of the ocean, he was watchful as well as bold. He planted his feet only where the wreck was firm. He ventured his life, and yet was careful, for his determined spirit, too, had reached its highest point. His strength had grown tenfold greater. He had become heated with his own intrepidity. The strokes of his hatchet were like blows of defiance. He seemed to have gained in directness what the tempest had lost. A pathetic struggle. On the one hand, an indefatigable will. On the other, inexhaustible power. It was a contest with the elements for the prize at his feet. The clouds took the shape of gorgon masks in the immensity of the heavens. Every possible form of terror appeared. The rain came from the sea, the surf from the cloud, phantoms of the wind bent down, meteoric faces revealed themselves, and were again eclipsed, leaving the darkness more monstrous. Then there was nothing seen but the torrents coming from all sides. A boiling sea, cumuli, heavy with hail, ashen-hued, ragged-edged, appeared seized with a sort of whirling frenzy. Strange rattlings filled the air. The inverse currents of electricity observed by Volta darted their sudden flashes from cloud to cloud. The prolongation of the lightnings was terrible. The flashes passed near to Gilliatt. The very ocean seemed astonished. He passed to and fro upon the tottering wreck, making the deck tremble under his steps, striking, cutting, hacking with the hatchet in his hand, pallid in the gleam of the lightning, his long hair streaming, his feet naked in rags, his face covered with the foam of the sea, but grand still amid that maelstrom of the thunderstorm. Against these furious powers man has no weapon but his invention. Invention was Gilliatt's triumph. His object was to allow all the dislocated portions of the wreck to fall together. For this reason he cut away the broken portions without entirely separating them, leaving some parts on which they still swung. Suddenly he stopped, holding his axe in the air. The operation was complete. The entire portion went with a crash. The mass rolled down between the two Douvres, just below Gilliatt, who stood upon the wreck, leaning over and observing the fall. It fell perpendicularly into the water, struck the rocks, and stopped in the defile, before touching the bottom. 
enough remained out of the water to rise more than twelve feet above the waves the vertical mass of planking formed a wall between the two douvres like the rock overturned crosswise higher up the defile it allowed only a slight stream of foam to pass through at its two extremities and thus was a fifth barricade improvised by gilliatt against the tempest in that passage of the seas the hurricane itself in its blind fury had assisted in the construction of this last barrier it was fortunate that the proximity of the two walls had prevented the mass of wreck from falling to the bottom this circumstance gave the barricade greater height the water besides could flow under the obstacle which diminished the power of the waves that which passes below cannot pass over this is partly the secret of the floating breakwater henceforth let the storm do what it might there was nothing to fear for the sloop or the machinery the water around them could not become agitated again between the barrier of the douvres which covered them on the west and the barricade which protected them from the east no heavy sea or wind could reach them gilliatt had plucked safety out of the catastrophe itself the storm had been his fellow-labourer in the work this done he took a little water in the palm of his hand from one of the rain-pools and drank and then looking upward at the storm said with a smile bungler human intelligence combating with brute force experiences an ironical joy in demonstrating the stupidity of its antagonist and compelling it to serve the very objects of its fury and gilliatt felt something of that immemorial desire to insult his invisible enemy which is as old as the heroes of the iliad he descended to the sloop and examined it by the gleam of the lightning the relief which he had been able to give to his distressed bark was well timed she had been much shaken during the last hour and had begun to give way a hasty glance revealed no serious injury nevertheless he was certain that the vessel had been subjected to violent shocks as soon as the waves had subsided the hull had righted itself the anchors had held fast as to the machine the four chains had supported it admirably while gilliatt was completing this survey something white passed before his eyes and vanished in the gloom it was a sea-mew no sight could be more welcome in tempestuous weather when the birds reappear the storm is departing the thunder redoubled another good sign the violent efforts of the storm had broken its force all mariners know that the last ordeal is severe but short the excessive violence of the thunderstorm is the herald of the end the rain stopped suddenly then there was only a surly rumbling in the heavens the storm ceased with the suddenness of a plank falling to the ground the immense mass of clouds became disorganized a strip of clear sky appeared between them gilliatt was astonished it was broad daylight the tempest had lasted nearly twenty hours 
the wind which had brought the storm carried it away a dark pile was diffused over the horizon the broken clouds were flying in confusion across the sky from one end to the other of the line there was a movement of retreat a long muttering was heard gradually decreasing a few last drops of rain fell and all those dark masses charged with thunder departed like a terrible multitude of chariots suddenly the wide expanse of sky became blue gilliatt perceived that he was wearied sleep swoops down upon the exhausted frame like a bird upon its prey he drooped and sank upon the deck of the bark without choosing his position and there slept stretched at length and inert he remained thus for some hours scarcely distinguishable from the beams and joists among which he lay end of chapter six and book three recording by paul adams www dot com